Hello, hello, and welcome to the Long Road Podcast. The journey goes ever on with the Long Road. This episode, the flow of creative juices. This week, the bitch, me, I've been inspired, provoked into sharing some thoughts on creativity and how creative people tick. Steve brings us tales from adventures on the canals in Oxfordshire, enjoying his floating bolt hole, Emmeline. And Kev's Cafe Corner this week is about a favourite place on Kev's travels that was rarely in the same place twice. The Long Road Podcast is exploring the world of the vagabond, the troubadour, the adventurer. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we are celebrating all of that. And we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I'm Chris, the Bish Leiden. I'm so glad we published this podcast on a Friday, because at least for one day of the week, I know what day of the week it is. Genuinely, I had to ask my phone yesterday, Siri, what day of the week is it, please? And yes, I actually did say please, because, well, one day these machines and AI and things are going to lord over us properly, and there's no harm in planting some kindness seeds now, is there? From all of us here at The Long Road, me, Steve and Kev, we hope wherever in the world you are, you are keeping safe and keeping others safe. Um, There's a lot of content in today's podcast, so I'm going to get straight on after one brief announcement. We have a new music video out today. We have uploaded to YouTube our music video for Wrapped Up In You. The song's been going great guns on Spotify for several months now, but it's been lacking the necessary visual companion. But now we've sorted that. So go to youtube.com slash stevebonomo1 and you'll see it there on the, on the front page. Please like, subscribe, share. Um, so I'm going to hand over now for the main content of today's podcast to, well, to myself. Um, it's over to me. I'll see you on the other side. I feel like one of the two Ronnie's. of creative juices so that's with a d you see what i've done there i mean juices it's a term i'm shoehorning and probably inventing a a meaning for um so i can wallow in some frankly obnoxious wordplay Uh, and i've dragged you along with me i was inspired this week to think about what inspires me and without really realizing it over the years there are two web comics that i've grown to love and follow regularly consciously and there are several others I follow sort of unconsciously, really. Uh, but there are two that stand out in my head as having made a mark. Um, the first is called XKCD, created by Randall Munro. Um, you can go and experience it yourself at xkcd.com. The uh, The tagline describes it as a webcomic of romance, sarcasm, math and language. Uh, it's a beautiful confluence of funny, thought-provoking, heartfelt, flippant, brutal, too clever for my brain, often, um, too real for anyone's liking on some occasions, uh, and it's it's uh, it's just wild sometimes, I guess, wild. The stories that Randall's told over the years are sometimes global or even universal in the literal sense, um, sometimes frightfully personal, too much for some perhaps as a creator. Some creators couldn't imagine sharing a personal journey such as cancer treatment in a public forum or through artwork they themselves have created, Um, although many would share that journey without even thinking through definitely not the Queen's English on Facebook posts. Um, I suppose is one forum really so different from the other? Um, 
I do fear one is providing Facebook Inc. with that most personal list of information, which allows them to monetize your data even further. I'd like to think how many cancer patients have had directed advertising targeted at them because they used the words just finished chemo or some such in their latest posts. The world we live in, um, a topic for a deeper discussion another day. Randall's stories often fall somewhere in between mind-bendingly huge and the deeply personal and intimate. If you look at any great artist, you see waves in their output. People can't help but be affected by what's going on in their lives to some extent, I think. Randall hasn't done the, the deeply personal stuff for a fair while now, but perhaps that's a good sign. Maybe things on that front are getting better or easier to, to handle for him and his family. Um, in a year or two years, five years, 20 years. We'll be looking back at the art created during this global pandemic in 2020, and hopefully we'll be able to see that art in in, in that context. Um, all these videos being pushed out now that aren't professional quality because, well, a month ago, no one was expecting to have to produce a full music video from their spare bedroom with just themselves, their iPhone, and a lot of free time. And I'll tell you, in my first-hand experience in the last couple of weeks of making videos, it's hard. But I suppose I'm, I'm reassured by the fact that plenty of people would find, I don't know, putting a chord sequence together or writing a melody or doing both um, to be hard. So hard is always in a context. Not having made many videos before, I find it hard right now, but uh, I suspect it'll get easier. The thing that keeps me coming back to XKCD and, and the musings of Randall is the stark, barefaced, audacious creativity of it all. His style is normally simple stick characters, but bloody hell, if he can't bring those stick characters to life with a, a speech bubble or a few extra strokes of the pencil, uh, and it, that's the simple stuff. Randall has really pushed the boundaries of your, your three-panelled web comic, quite literally. Um, he releases a new comic every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Today's is one of his epics. It starts off as a single square on screen, but you are invited to drag the screen around, and you soon discover this is one of his huge ones. Randall refuses to be limited by those four edges of his webcomic box. He will push and push and innovate and rethink and imagine and dream, and somehow he manages to filter that into his into his hands, his fingers, uh, and make it a visual reality. The creativity of it is it's just incredible, so go check it out, xkcd.com. I can see how it wouldn't be for everybody, um, but I mean, I love it. A tri-weekly, if that means three times a week, dose of joy slash inspiration slash humour slash cleverness slash satire. I have actually very few bookmarks in my internet browser, but xkcd.com is one of them. The other webcomic I follow was, I suppose, well, it was the source of inspiration for my ramblings this week. It's called The Oatmeal, um, created by a chap called Matthew Inman, and it's also brilliant. It's well worth your time. I actually get most of my hits from following The Oatmeal on Facebook, um, but obviously he's got a website as well which is theoatmeal.com. And he has a fabulous style that just it just chimes with me. Um, there's energy and vigour in his drawings that just speak directly to my brain. Again, it won't be for everybody, but he's an artist who has managed to make some of the images that appear in my head appear on paper. The Oatmeal is becoming more of an empire, not in the sort of Facebook way, but in the sort of entrepreneurial way. Um, someone with creative juices juices with a J, um, flowing, has managed to harness their creativity and make a living from it, and provide a living for, for several others too. For the oatmeal, webcomics was where things started, but, um, but books followed, and 
And me and my family and friends are fans of their particular brand of board games too. And the highlight for me of Christmas just gone was a, a lovely, gentle family game of the oatmeal's Throw Throw Burrito, a dodgeball card game, which peaked when, having grasped the rules in the gameplay, familial ties were out of the window, and this was a war. So it turns out my mother's competitive streak holds no bars to throwing a foam burrito at her eldest grandchild at the first opportunity to win that round. Before any of us had even calculated what the indicated move was, Granny had already grabbed said burrito and it was hurtling through the air. A fine, fine moment. Um, And that's thanks to the oatmeal. I think I'm going to have to come back to the oatmeal on a later podcast because there's just too much for me to say in this one episode, I think. But here's what sparked my brain this week. The oatmeal launched a 10-year anniversary webcomic and it was about creativity. Now, I love a good arbitrary time landmark as much as the next person. Um, But also, I find them as pointless as Matthew Inman seems to. He intended to do 10 things he's learned about creativity in 10 years. Lovely. But, as he goes on to say, creativity is not a horse. It cannot be trained or ridden. Well, sometimes it can be. Um, But I'll not spoil that bit of the comic here. Go and have a look for it yourself, theoatmeal.com. But he concludes that eight things about creativity is perfectly reasonable. And so it is. So his comic is titled, Eight Marvellous and Melancholy Things I've Learned About Creativity. Now, I'm not going to go through all eight here, because you really should go and read the comic yourself. It's really, really good. I'm going to just focus in on two of the very many good points he makes, um, or things he helps us realise, really. He says that years ago, a friend said to him, creativity is like breathing. When you make stuff, you're exhaling. He goes on to say, and all the other things that he does when he's not making the art, he considers them the, the breathing, the stuff that gives him the fuel, I guess, to exhale and make something. The reading, the consuming of other art forms, the, the key thing that chimed with me is having lots of different projects on the go. I've always had loads of projects on the go, uh, and one of the things I enjoy about the, the life I have is the variety of things that I do. And sometimes he says he disappears, he has to remember he's not abandoning his work or being lazy, but he's giving himself space to breathe so he can make stuff when he's back on it. Space is important. Doing things, not necessarily your creative thing, is vital, but make sure you get back to doing your thing at some point. The other point he makes, which again really struck a chord with me, is the business of art. He was asked by a journalist if the oatmeal is art or is it a business, uh, and he declares it's both. Art, like everything in the universe, is a, is a spectrum, not a binary thing. Um, art can be sometimes a creation that sits quietly and is declared art by the lone person consuming it, but then when people start to notice it, it slides across the other way, and when lots and lots of people consume it, some might say it's no longer art, it's lost its credibility. Matthew of the Oatmeal, he rallies against this. He brings the artist front and centre to be the holder of whether something is art or not. Again, I won't go through every bit of this page on the comic, but I love this particular sentence. The artist is deciding if it's art. Does it make that gloomy little organ inside their chest incandescent with wonder? And then uh, there's a lovely glowing cartoon of a heart with big bulging eyes, and, and that's the clincher for me. The artist's heart is in it. That's the key. That's vital. But also, it's hard to make art if you can't afford to buy food. So there is a balance to be had. There's, there's two sides to the business of art. With both XKCD and the oatmeal, there's, there's juices to it. Two sides. So there, there was a point to my rather flippant wordplay. Um, the funny and the painful. The personal and the universal. 
the massive and the tiny. The, I never thought of it like that, and the, you've read my mind and managed to put it in image form, you genius. Um, the perfect and the imperfect. The, the practical and the impractical. I think for many people, the juices of something, the two sides, are often what causes people consternation about creating. It is not going to be plain sailing, guaranteed. The artist in you aims for perfection, but the human in you creates what it can. The bravery in you encourages you to share it, dares you even. But the doubter in you, the inner saboteur, reminds you that it might not be as great as you thought it was. Sometimes you need to create to try to make some money from it. Sometimes you know the creation you make won't make you money. But can you afford to create and not earn from it? Mm. The creator in you wants to create, needs to create. Uh, and often we can channel our energies, funnel our creative juices into something we've worked at for a long time and got better at over the years, built confidence at. Uh, and, you know, pop something out there for others to consume, slash enjoy, slash quietly ignore, slash rip apart. Um, I suppose all of those things are valid responses. I'd encourage those who don't like the thing that's been created and popped out there to consider kindness, or at the very least tact, above their own opinion and their own ego. Um, it seems to be a horrible human instinct that, thankfully, these days many try to fight against, to try to raise yourself up by knocking others down. Um, it's just destructive, ultimately, all round. No one wins long term. Um, and I hope we can continue to grow out of that as a, as a society. If you don't like something, that's fine. We don't have to all like everything. But you don't necessarily need to tell the someone who is bearing their soul. And even though it may not look like it, they are. They really are. Um, and I promise you, they wish that thing they've made was better themselves. Beethoven did not consider his Fifth Symphony his best work. But you know what? He had a deadline. Um, the Beatles only had so many hours of studio time to create. Please, please me. Um, Michelangelo took years to paint the Sistine Chapel, but I'm sure there were bits where he'd have preferred to spend more time on that wisp of hair or that cherub's nose or whatever else is on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Fear of failure holds people back in so many aspects. Everybody's experienced it. Uh, every single person on this planet, me included. Um, the first time you try to ride a bike, fear of failure is what's terrifying and ultimately what leads you to fall off and grazing your knee. But the overwhelming desire to conquer that fear, to ride that bike, wins for most people. And you get back on and you try again. And eventually you have enough momentum and skill and confidence to balance on the thing and enjoy whizzing around unhinged. Getting the creative juices, with a J or a D, flowing is, for me, such a vital part of being a human, being alive. Most importantly, do it for yourself first and foremost. Uh, you might call it self-care. Creativity helps the brain work through life's issues, I think. Some people do it through physicalizing, speaking out loud, singing, movement. Some through sort of more still output drawing, colouring, painting, writing music. You know, plenty through some sort of combination of, of all of the above or some of the above. There is always going to be that fear in the back of your mind. Oh, but I might look like a dick. But you know what? Sod it. Beethoven thought he might look like a dick too. And here I am, 200 years later, just still calling his name. Randall Monroe, creator of XKCD, or Matthew Inman of The Oatmeal. I'm sure that they felt like they might be dicks too at some point. But they continue to rally against that and be bold. Be bold. Create. Acknowledge your demons exist, but to hell with them. And in this spirit, and with no particular link, except it's something I had a, a hearty creative hand in, and several times had to get over or around or under the 
oh, I might be a dick phase during its creation. Uh, I'm going to play you a song from the Long Roads album, The Girl with the Rattlesnake Heart. Uh, and this song is called One I Loved Before, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. A mother cried when the rains came So soon it turned to snow In the summer's heat a storm brew down Down in the Gulf of Mexico In the borderlands Like a prodigal son Well no one's believing How it comes undone The gold they say has flown away In the floods of the early spring Judy fell for a copperhead For she'd taken my mother's ring The thread of your life Tattered and frayed And you can't work it out It's a heartbeat betrayed The creek dried up Well I knew it would The corn it turned to dust And the sickle Looking for hope In my father's tears Losing the grail With the fading years I sang my song In the deep dark woods I sang for the Thank you. 
Steve Bonham and the Long Road. Um, the words were by Steve Bonham and the music were by me and Steve. Um, let us know what you think via social media. So, next up on The Long Road Revealed, we hear from Steve Bonham and I ask him, maybe you fancy talking about something cheerful and happy and, in fact, joyous. <laughs> Well, this week I might talk about something cheerful and uh, happy and, in fact, joyous. Um, I thought I might ruminate upon the uh, a particularly profound love affair that I have uh, been involved in for, uh, for a number of years now. Sometimes it's difficult to talk about. Uh, it, it, it's such a big thing. But I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a boat. I'm talking about a boat called Emmeline. After years, almost back to my childhood, I think, of of coveting the idea of owning a narrow boat and making my way through the, the fields and backwaters of England, I finally took the plunge a few years ago and um, started to look for a narrow boat to, to buy. And I, I saw several, but... The day I clapped eyes on Emmeline, I knew she was for me. I knew this was the one. Some have described her as 54 tonnes of scrap metal. Um, and she is little old uh, and uh, maybe past her prime. But she's totally wonderful. The curved bow and an old BMC motor chugging along and a little coal stove which burns on the winters and spring day, keeping the temperature below always totally wonderful and uh i picked her up and with my uh my good friend dave we motored her down 
for a couple of days with him to Oxfordshire. Part of the country I'd always wanted to live, but uh, being a northerner, I couldn't afford. And, uh, and then I, I took her the rest of the way on my own, actually, which was uh, a tough three days, but good fun, and it was great. And the great thing about a narrow boat is that you, when you've had enough, you stop. It's not like you've got to get to somewhere. You just say stop, and you are allowed to moor, most places anyway, on the towpath side of the canal. And so after a long day, I would uh, anchor up and stop and cook myself some dinner and sit and watch the evening twilight with a glass of beer in my hand. As perfect as the world can possibly be. I remember one morning waking up on my own. A great thing about a narrow boat, of course, is it's incredibly slow way of traveling. You can be overtaken by three-legged dogs with asthma. You can only go at the pace of that little engine out the back and it's, it's not very quick. Anyway, one morning I woke up surrounded by just the mist of a, of a new day. So it must have been quite early in the summer. It was joyous. It was utterly joyous. And I, I actually probably think that was as happy as I'd ever been in my life. So I wrote this poem about it. And then later that evening, because I travel everywhere with my guitar, I, uh, I wrote a song. But here's my poem. It's called A Kingfisher Morn. It was a kingfisher morn. Low mist, the lingering breath of a summer's night, hung like a ragged eider down upon dark waters before evaporating at the new day's calling, leaving the canal dappled in shimmering light falling through willow. As Emmeline, steady and measured and awake, moved to the call of heavy horses whose flickering feathered remembrance lingered in the hedgerows and ducked under the swing bridge from field to cow. A kingfisher morn, a dominion of sorts, where the cap-docking and flapper-dock, the names of old England, as much as the church on the hill and the site of the mill, stand rhubarb proud at the border, a raggle-taggle audience to the sublime. And in the sour green depths of the loch, whose outstretched arms wait for the fisher king, the luscious waters ooze, that all may be healed and transported. These are the Hallison days in the unreliable summer of the damselfly flitting in ultramarine for the fluttering of a brief romance, dandling in the air among the white dog rose and the azure flax, and fussy moorhens and scalding mute swans. When around us the fields of Oxfordshire unbound and close to paradise rose expectant and ruddy into a time of exuberant flourishing flush with the joy of sunlight an anthem for the vanishing king oh my emily don't you ask me where i've been been out on the road and i've seen things i should not have seen saw the poor hobo waiting on a tune Three black cats dancing under the moon Oh my Emily Things are not what they seem The friends in dark places And the devils living the dream So money 
passing by like a sewer in the night. I could not say if things are gonna be alright. Available on Apple Music and loads of other digital music stores. Um, I have talked enough this podcast, so um, the Bishop's Daily Bread this week is going to be nice and short and punchy. Um, Apologies to my friend that lives in Switzerland. I haven't been able to start my adventures in Swiss bread making yet. Um, I've run out of bread flour this week, uh, so we'll have to source more before I can try this out. My pizza experiments consumed the last of my bread flour. Um, A great recipe, I think, I found on the internet. Helped along by a new toy I indulged in, a very cheap comparatively um, stand mixer which will do a lot of the heavy lifting for me the recipe i found was in american quantities and i'm always a bit annoyed with this because cups don't mean anything sometimes just an approximate amount a cup um that's not how sciency baking needs to work and i think there are differences in american cups to uk cups of course uh, a little bit frustrating so i think i ended up over salting this dough also kosher salt they mean like rock salt big chunky crystals rather than fine sand grain sized crystals is rock salt sometimes not kosher is table salt as as we'd call it always not kosher 
Um, I haven't been that bothered to research salt yet. Maybe maybe in a few weeks' time. Um, the first pizza made with this dough turned out all right, actually. A salty base, but it tasted okay. I mean, I mean I'm a bit of a salt fiend, so basically it's fine with me. Um, but I think there's still some oven temperature, dough temperature sort of experimentation to go on. I will play more, and as I have three more bases worth of dough left, I will see what I can come up with. I have also accidentally started on my next pizza-related thing, with a capital F. I plan to make my own mozzarella for these pizzas. I've never done it before, um, but I, I have, I've heard that it's terribly easy. Um, so I've ordered the requisite citric acid and rennet. I'm desperate to call it René, but rennet, I think, is how you say it. So as long as I can source some milk uh, in the next few days, hopefully I'll be on course to making my own mozzarella. More updates on that next time in The Bishop's Daily Bread and Cheese. Hello again, everybody, and uh, welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner, that particular segment of the Long Road podcast pie that's devoted to my insufferable caffeine habit, I suppose you could call it. Today's cafe is an interesting one because it's, it's a cafe that rarely stayed in one place at the same time. It's been my cafe looking out over the Côte d'Azur, it's been my cafe looking out over Palmer Harbour, looking up into the majestic landscape of Madeira. And it's been my cafe as I've sailed around the Caribbean. I'm talking about one called Charlie's Bar. And Charlie's Bar was the cafe amidships on the MV Ocean Village, which was the ship I was lucky enough to be plying my musical trade on Oh, a good decade and a half ago now, perhaps even longer. And um, it was really the crossroads on the ship where everybody would come together, particularly the musicians and performers, dancers, acrobats, what have you, of all nations that, that used to work on board the ship. Now, this particular ship, Ocean Village, is, is and remains very dear to my heart, um, most of the people that I got to know on there are still friends, will probably be lifelong friends. And it was known as the cruise for people who don't do cruises. That was one of the taglines. And it really did cater to a, a younger age group. Uh, I never considered working aboard ships because I thought it was much more of an older generational thing. Um, and when this came along, it was it was a breath of fresh air. And my my good friend... Uh, on the ship was a guy called Tony Stevens, who was a comedian. And he and I uh, formed a, a lasting friendship. And uh, what sort of happened was the Charlie's Bar morphed into something of a surgery where he and I would sit and hold court and um, various people who were going cabin crazy or whatever would, would come along and sit with us and we'd we'd end up somehow talking through their problems could we often be like the even then the elder statesman on board that had probably been through it all before um but it became a really like any good cafe should be i think um a hub of activity and exchange of views of jokes of stories of life and it had not just rather good coffee but a very very dangerous hot white chocolate drink that you could get which was um really dangerous for the uh, for the old figure but pleasant nonetheless and yeah it's uh, so many stories 
and friendships forged in that particular cafe. Uh, the situation of it was there was sort of a village square, as they called it in the ship, which was like an atrium that went through all the decks. So quite a lot of decks had like balconies you could look down onto the inside of the ship there and perform. There was a small stage there, so there were small performances went on there. And I, I performed there with a dear friend who sadly uh, passed away far too young. We, we, we just used to impromptu perform by he would play piano I would play bass I'd sort of suggest six songs he might know and he'd do the same to me and we'd cobble together a 12 song set and just play for the passengers and it was it was really good fun and uh, Charlie's bar used to look out onto this area and um, I guess it's one of my favorite cafes because it accompanied me if you like to some of the most beautiful places in the world with some of the best friends in the world and really lived up to what I think a good cafe should be, which is kind of like a centre of your universe, really, where you and your friends celebrate your friendship and drink a nice cup of coffee. So that's that for me today. If uh, The Ocean Village is still sailing the seas, but under another name, I believe, and I hope it's still got a Charlie's Bar on board. Take care of yourselves and see you next week. Charlie's Bar sounds like a great place to spend some time, catch up with friends, share some new stories. Um, but I'm afraid, to be brutally honest, by the sound of that hot white chocolate drink, that experience alone would trump anything else on that ship. Thanks, Kev. I'm loving hearing your stories about places around the world. Looking forward to next week. I wonder where we'll be. As always, thanks very much for listening. Please do subscribe to the Long Road Podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, all over the place. Um, next episode will be out next week, Friday the 10th of April, 2020. You can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash stevebonomo1. All of our music is now on Spotify and Apple Music. Go have a listen. Uh, if you like what you hear, you might consider buying from the Apple Music Store or another online store. And if you like what we're doing, why not consider supporting artisan creativity and drop us a few quid you can do it through paypal it's really super easy just visit paypal.me slash the vagabond away thank you once again brave adventurers vagabonds and explorers remember the world isn't beige it's authentic it's rich and it's real embrace every last bit of it until next time the journey goes ever on with a long road bye for now (laughs) 